Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. It's so good to see all of you, and I just want to take a moment to sing Happy Birthday to you, Happy Birthday to you, Happy Birthday Heather Joe. Happy birthday to you. All right. Praise God. It's my lovely wife's birthday today. Heather Jo is over 40. And you would not believe it by looking at her. No doubt about it. And I am grateful that she's still married to me. I reminded her yesterday. Yesterday, actually, we went out on a, a birthday eve dinner, and I said, you realize you've been with me more than half of your life, and, and so then I quickly had to uh, cheer her up after that realization came to her by telling her jokes. <laughs> uh, no, happy birthday, love. And also... Tomorrow is Mr. Tony's 27th birthday, so happy birthday to you too. Anybody else have a birthday? Ever? (laughs) Eventually, happy birthday. Praise God. I'm so glad to be here, and it's so good to see Greg and Mindy Farlow with us tonight. Wow. Our extended family that have been out and about, and so glad to have you all with us tonight. We love you very much. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I want to just uh, give you a quick update um, on some things going on here, and I want you to be in prayer for us. Tomorrow morning, um, we'll be negotiating for this property. We'll be meeting with the, um, the representatives of Victory Life Church in, um, where are they? <laughs> Duran, Oklahoma. And uh, so please be praying for us for wisdom in that meeting tomorrow and for the favor of God. You know, we've sown a lot of seed through the years and um, buildings and people, and, and I'm believing for God's supernatural help and His favor here tomorrow. So please be in prayer for us also for that. And also Friday morning, praise God, I'll be closing on us selling our property in DeLeon, Texas. We sold it, praise God. And so um, I'll be going there Friday morning to get a check. And so very excited about that and moving forward. And, uh, and we'll be letting you know in the days ahead, you know, what, what all we're doing with the finances that are coming in, you know, and, and, and what our plans are for future-wise for the building and uh, to come here. I'm so excited about that. So uh, I want you to just be in prayer because we're, we're pushing through to the next level as a church. I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago how... During the worship service, I told you something happened. Something happened. Something in the atmosphere happened. Something broke through. It might have been more than, maybe it was about a month ago now. But I, st- I believe that there was a momentum that started um, for us. And I'm just sensing it more and more in the Spirit. And uh, so I, I, I want us all to just stir one another up uh, toward good works and stir one another up in, in our vision, in, in our church, in this ministry and to, to continue to, to forge ahead in faith together and in hope for what God has for us. 
because uh, we believe that God is going to fill this house again and again and again and again, and, and whatever houses He puts us in charge of, praise God. And, uh, and, uh, and the Irving pastor said amen over here. So, uh, you, you want to talk? Yeah, you want to say something about something that you've just recently found out, or do you? Yes, come up here, Jonna. Gray, everybody, our, our past, Pastor Jonna, who is, who is minus Brian tonight. That's why it's a little quieter in the house tonight, but no. Anyway. Yeah, because he talks so much. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. Brian is actually at YFM tonight with all those hooligans over there. God bless them. Um, but actually, we just found out yesterday we had a sonogram again two weeks ago. Um, this little stinker's legs were crossed, and we couldn't find out the gender. <laughs> so they scheduled it again, and sure enough, we are officially expecting a baby girl. So here we go. Yep, November 9th. Mark your calendar. Brian is done. <laughs> he, he is finished as a man. <laughs> Amen. Congratulations. And what's her name? Uh, we are looking at M- little Miss Emma, Miss Emma Louise. Emma, Emma Louise Gray. Yes. How beautiful is that? Awesome. Thank you, Jonna. We're excited for you. That's wonderful, isn't it? Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, tonight, let's go to the book of Jude. Praise the Lord. We are in our coming into the end of, yeah, might as well sing it. Hey, Jude. Don't make it sin. Well, if everybody could sing the same key, it would really be helpful, but that's all right. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, we're coming to the end of our Route 66 series. Wow. This is book number 65. And... Um, The book of Jude, we're going to just read for a little bit. Um, It's 25 verses, so we're going to start by just reading the entire book, all right? Can you handle that? I mean, it's 25 verses. Jude 1, verse 25. Are you ready? Has everybody found it? If you haven't found it, you can just look on the screen up here and follow along. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, or as uh, the, really the Greek text is saying, I was eager to talk about this, our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So what Jude is saying is, I was going to talk about this salvation that we all have, but I now have something else pressing. And this pressing matter is that you contend earnestly for faith. All right? And here's why. And we see this common throughout all these apostles, that they tend to take us to this place to remind us of the necessity of the simplicity of the gospel and to believe it, and it alone. 
For certain men have crept in unnoticed or secretly, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. He's talking about those angels who followed Lucifer in his rebellion. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to the... Is this, is this encouraging so far? <laughs> in a similar, similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, as set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Verse 9, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, that's interesting, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, that is, Michael did not bring against Lucifer or the devil a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Now, I want to remind you who he's talking about. He's talking about false teachers and false prophets. So he's using all of these allegories, all these, these illustrations to show what manner of people they really are. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars from whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him." These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, okay, here we go. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is, I'm, I, now I'm going to tell you to remember this. I need to keep you grounded, rooted in the truth. How they told you that you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. You notice that he called them sensual people, all right? What did he say in the very beginning? To, con to contend for, to contend for faith, all right? Faith is not in the sensual realm, the realm of the five senses, the, what you can see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. All right? No, they are, the realm of faith is outside of the sensory program. Amen. This is a God sense. Okay? He's talking about people who just live according to the flesh. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy 
of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. Now, what this in the Amplified, it says that on some have compassion, those who are, are dealing with doubts. All right? Have compassion on them. Be patient with them. Walk alongside those, those who are struggling in their faith. But others, watch this, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, I love this, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Don't you think this is awesome? Isn't it awesome? As soon as he gets on Jesus... Ah, everything starts feeling good. This whole thing turns around once he gets on the person of Jesus. And he talks about he's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And you think about the presence of his glory, you think, ah, that's a fearful thing. And he said, no, that's a joyful thing. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Like most of the other general epistles, the title of this little book takes its name from its author. Now, most scholars identify the writer as Jude, uh, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, because he, um, well, for at least two reasons, because one, he names himself, remember that first verse, the brother of James, right? Meaning he was probably not the apostle uh, named Jude, a man who was called the son of James, one of Jesus' twelve, because there was one named Jude or Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other one, who was called the son of James. So we know this isn't him. He identified himself as the, as the brother of James, so likely aligns him with the actual family of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? So we have Jesus, his two half-brothers write books in the Bible, James and Jude both. And uh, Matthew 13, if you want to just look at these, these guys, you can find them there, uh, records the names of the brothers of Jesus. And two of those four are James and Judas, or Jude. Whereas the Gospels record this name as Judas, English translation shorten it to Jude. Probably for the same reason that uh, no one in the present day wants to name a child Judas <laughs> because of the association with Judas Iscariot. But Jude's different. So, um, you remember when it talked about his brothers and sisters and all those that were there? Now, at this time, when Jesus was, you know, alive on the earth, he was walking the earth, he was teaching that his family, his brothers did not believe in him. And Jude nor James, neither one of them did at that time. It wasn't until later on that they got the revelation that he truly was the Messiah. So, Jude didn't place his faith in Jesus while he was still alive, only after his crucifixion and resurrection. But his purpose for this letter was twofold, and he wanted to expose these false teachers that had infiltrated the Christian community, and he wanted to encourage Christians to contend for the faith and to fight for truth. So I want to just get this memento to you today on our little trip through Jude. We've got our map, which is memento, attraction, and person of Jesus. That's what map stands for. So our memento, that this is what you're going to take home into your own life, something that you can do practically to think on, to meditate on. And that's found in verses 20 through 23. Let's look at this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some, have compassion, making a distinction, 
But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Let me encourage you, pray in the Spirit. All right? So it's, it's not building your faith, it's building you up on your faith. All right? Your faith is built when you confess the Word of God. When you speak the Word of God, faith comes to you and faith is released from you as you declare it in the earth. And so as you do that, the, the Scripture says that Abraham was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, he got the promise in his mouth and began to declare it. All right? But this is saying building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praise God. So we know that 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul teaches us that he who prays in a tongue edifies himself or builds himself up. Well, I don't think we can even come close to understanding just how vital it is for us as believers to have this gift operating in our life, how so important it is to our daily walk in life. Um, keep yourself, then it says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? We keep ourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy. In other words, looking for the opportunity not only to receive mercy, but to also show it to someone else. Because the very next thing he says is, and on some have compassion. Same thing as mercy. On, on some have mercy. Those who are struggling, those who are doubting. I'll read the Amplified. It says, uh, verse 23, it says, Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy, but with fear. Loathing even the clothing spotted and polluted by their shameless, immoral freedom. What he's saying is, Love the people. It doesn't, just because you love someone doesn't mean that you love what they do. In other words, he's saying, actually hate the sin, love the person. All right? Make that, keep those things clear. Keep those lines very clear. All right? We don't compromise our faith in God. We don't compromise our walk while we're out here in this world trying to bring people out of darkness and into His marvelous light right? We stay strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We have our arms open to everyone, and we believe that just an experience with God can set people free from the sin, break the chains from their life, set them free from addictions, from devils, from, you know, from whatever they're struggling with, bring them out of all of that into true freedom in Christ, yeah. all right? Period. And it's the love of God that does that, and, and we find that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, isn't it? Over and over again, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know when you've been acting like a knucklehead, and all of a sudden something good happens to you, and you go, oh, man, I didn't deserve that. I mean, sometimes we can chalk it up. I was, you know, I went to church twice this week, and, I, you know, obviously something good's going to happen to me. I put an extra five bucks on the offering plate. But, you know, when I yelled at my wife and then I got a raise, <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. Right? Because it's the goodness of God. Let's, let's remind people of that. Huh? Let's encourage people that when we see the blessing of God come to them, that we say, hey, I want you to know God did that for you because He loves you. It's His goodness. So that we get people to understand it's not condemnation and shame and guilt that cause people to turn. It's the goodness of God. Huh? I'm grateful for that. It was good news that came to us, wasn't it? Christ died for your sins. Woo! Christ died for your sins, so you don't have to die from your sins. And he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Believe on him. Praise God. Make that exchange. Man, what good news. And that caused us to woo, change the way we thought. But this is interesting because he's talking about walking with those who are doubting and struggling and be compassionate. But then he says, snatch some of them out of the fire. 
Now, I have friends who are hardcore evangelists. I mean, this is their gift. And this is, they see nothing but black and white in this way. And I thank God for them because they, we need that kind of message coming to us to grip us from time to time, to realize, to help us to remember there is a heaven, my family, and there is an absolute hell. And everyone is going to end up at one of those places. Right? Those who believe on Jesus, in heaven. Those who don't, in hell. Period. That's it. That's the, that's the raw truth. Well, God, why would God send anybody, any, anybody to hell? God saved everybody through Jesus. They send themselves there by rejecting it. It's not God doing it. God reserved hell for the devil and his angels. So those who want to rebel just like Satan did and reject Jesus, well, then he's given them the choice to go there too. But he, didn't make it for, he did not make it for people in my family. But there's an interesting verse of Scripture over in Isaiah that says that hell enlarges itself. You know why? Because people that don't belong there go there. So they have to keep expanding its borders. But heaven's made for everybody. But God's not going to force it on anyone. That's why He's given us the power to choose. He wants you to want Him. He needs you to need Him. He loves you to love Him. Hmm? He wants a relationship. See, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Let me remind you just how reconciled and saved this world is. He's already given the invitation out to everyone. All are welcome. The marriage feast is going to be ready. You've got your name at the table. I just need you to do one thing. Claim your reservation. You're invited. All you got to do is claim your reservation. Well, how do I do that? Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. It's that simple. Hmm? Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And you secure your place there. But there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And so he's saying, as snatching them out of the fire. I can remember a few years few years ago, it's been 20 years ago probably now, 20 plus years ago when Stephen and I were in a rock and roll band, it's been a while, you had hair back then too, (laughs) no, 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 you keep playing right here, you keep playing right here, he had long hair too, he had long blonde hair. Stephen was creative, too. He'd take, like, all of our old guitar strings. You know, after we'd take old guitar strings, he'd make jewelry out of it. He had necklaces and bracelets and rings and all that stuff. I was always amazed at his creativity. But um, anyway, so we're, we, we're playing in these bars every weekend, pretty much every weekend. And this one particular place that we would play at, and I've told you some of the story, it's a place called The Spotlight, or it had this, this other name, nickname, called The Bloodbath. <laughs> Because it was a violent place. I mean, this, the roughest of the rough went to this place. And uh, so many times we were up there playing, fearing for our lives. Uh, because I, I don't know who got more entertained, the people or us, because we're watching fights break out as we're up there playing, like, oh, God, keep us safe. But, you know, we're just wanting to be a light there. Just wanting to be a light. Finally, one lady who ran the door of the place she got wind of it that we were Christians, and before long, she showed up at our church. And before long, she got saved and baptized in the Spirit and started serving in the church. 
And at that time, we had a bus ministry. We were going out uh, busting in street kids, and she became one of the bus directors. And to this day, as far as I know, she's still serving. But her husband wasn't so quick to come into all this. He was a rascal. He was one of those troublemakers in that bar. But he got some bad news. They had cancer. It was actually cirrhosis of the liver because of his alcohol consumption. and So he got a death report from the doctor. And he went downhill real fast, and he was in the hospital. And his wife came to me and our associate pastor, Daniel, and she said, please, would you go try to minister to my husband? I don't want him to be lost forever. And I knew what kind of man this man was. I'm thinking, okay, well, this is, this is not going to be easy. So we, we got there, and we walk in the room, and, and he's in his hospital gown laying there. and just looks pitiful. He's yellow color. I walked over to him and reminded him who I was. He was kind of out of it, you know, and, and, and he said, oh, yeah. And I said, hey, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. And we just presented the gospel to him right there. And that man humbled himself and saw his face change, and he cried, and he invited Jesus Christ to come into his life and confess that Jesus was Lord of his life. It was an amazing thing to watch. And just a few days later, he went on to be with Jesus. And I sensed the love and the compassion of God in that moment to realize that God is just waiting for anyone who will believe. He'll take you. It doesn't matter if it's the first day of your life or it's the last day of your life. Huh? The thief on the cross is proof to us that he'll take you in your last breath if you'll just call on him. Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, that's all I need. Today you're with me. Praise God. Huh? So some save, save as snatching out of the fire. Don't forget, it's never too late. As long as they are still breathing, there's always a chance. You know, my mother prayed for my grandfather, her dad, for many, many years. Man, you talk about a knucklehead. That guy was so stubborn. He'd always say, I already made my peace with God. Then, see, that's, that's why I know that you haven't, because you can't make peace with God. Jesus did that for you. You have to confess that he did that. You have to, you know, fall on his mercy. I already made my peace with God years ago. Until... He got in the hospital with emphysema, and the last couple of days before he went, he surrendered his heart to Jesus. And I'm grateful to God that I got a grandpa in heaven, two days old as a Christian. But never give up. Listen to me, never give up. That's what that's saying. Some are snatching out of the fire. Never give up on that gospel message to get it out. All right? Okay. Let's look at this for just a moment. Woo, wow, yeah, where'd the time go? Let's look at, uh, I want to show you something real interesting. For your own Bible study this week, this might be fun for you to to look through. We're going to just look at some of the similarities. I'm not going to show you all of them because I want you to enjoy that yourself. But Jude and 2 Peter chapter 2. Jude and 2 Peter chapter 2. I want to show you some similarities. This this is the attraction part in these books. It's it's stunning to me uh, just how similar or as Derek Miller says, similar, (laughs) they are. 
Jude chapter 1, verse 4. Look at this. It says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at 2 Peter 2, verse 1. It says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on swift, bring on themselves swift destruction. Isn't that interesting? Let's look at this part. Look, verse 6 of Jude, chapter 1, where it talks about these fallen angels. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now look at 2 Peter 2, 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Look at Jude chapter 1, verse 7. This is interesting. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. 2 Peter 2, 6 says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. Jude 1, verse 8. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Uh, and verse 9 and 2 also. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said the Lord rebuke Did you notice that? There, I want you to notice something about that part, what he said. There's nowhere in the Scripture that talks about Michael the archangel uh, contending with the devil over the body of Moses until Jude told us that happened. It's not even recorded in the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Why was there contention? Anybody ever wonder that? Why would he contend with, with the devil over the body of Moses? Do you remember what happened to the body of Moses? Do you remember who buried Moses? Huh? Y'all need to go back and read. God actually buried Moses when he died. He hid him. It's very interesting. Now, I don't understand all why and the purpose of all that, but the, the reason why the, that, that Lucifer or, or the devil was very angry about this and contended with Michael over this is because the devil had a right to it. Because remember, at this time, since man had handed over his authority to the enemy in the garden, he had the keys, the authority to death, hell, and the grave. So he had a right to know where that body was. But uh, God said, no, not this one. And so then Michael goes into contending with the devil over this. I'm pretty sure Michael won that deal because Michael was actually the one who threw him out of heaven when he rebelled. So I think he was like, really, you want this again? <laughs> so very interesting. And that's why uh, that, that strange story about how um, Samuel the prophet had died, and so then, then King Saul goes to that witch at Endor. I'm not reading a Tolkien book to you. I'm telling you, this is actually in the Bible. He goes to this witch at Endor, and, and she does this seance and calls up Samuel's spirit from the grave. You think, how did a witch have authority to do that to a prophet? Because the enemy had the authority over death, hell, and the grave. But once Jesus, whoo, hallelujah, came and took all of that authority, who says, all authority has been given to me in heaven, in the earth, and under the earth, right? That stuff don't happen anymore. 
He doesn't have a right to any of that any, any longer. Praise God. So people that you know, claim that they talk to the dead and all that, let me just tell you, they're dabbling with demons. All right? They're just dabbling with demons. No place you need to go. All right? 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority, they are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are great in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. I just wanted to kind of pique your interest about these two chapters specifically. You can go even into 2 Peter chapter 2 and, and or 2 Peter chapter 3. <laughs> Sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3, and also see some more similarities to the book of Jude. It's very interesting. I mean, line upon line, some of them are word for word. So just for your own Bible study time, all right? We're going to move on now to the last thing, my favorite part, the person of Jesus. Verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. I'm grateful to God for that. You know what this is telling us? You don't have to stumble in your walk. If you'll look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, you can live a stumble-free walk. I'm not saying it's probable. I'm just saying it's possible. All right? You don't have to stumble. Well, we're only human. After all, we're, only, we're all sinners saved by grace. No, 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 no. We're not sinners saved by grace. We were sinners, but now we're saved by grace. Those are two different experiences. You, the old things are gone The new things have come. You're a new creation in Christ. And John said it like this, I write these things to you so that if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He didn't say when anybody does. He says if, as if there's a possibility that you don't have to, and you don't have to. Again, it all comes down to the power of choice, right? Come on, I need some good amens tonight. Is this a holy people I'm talking to tonight? Are you holy by your own merits? No, you're not holy by yourself. Jesus is the one that made you holy. He's the one that's able to keep you from stumbling. You know, the more our eyes get full of Him, hallelujah, the, the, the stronger our stride gets, huh? the more sure our steps get. David said, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord in Psalm 40, and He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and established my footsteps. And I will sing a new song to the Lord. Hmm? He established my footsteps. Amen. Our walk is supposed to be different than everybody else's walk. With God in your life, your life should look different. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Eric. Thank you very much. I love you. I love you too. All right. And to present you faultless. Now, husbands and wives, you just keep looking straight ahead. Because sometimes all you see are faults. But he's able to present you faultless. Wow. He's able to keep from, from stumbling and to present you faultless. How, 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 did, how can he do that? Well, he's God. <laughs> Thank God. We needed, we needed this hero to come and save us, didn't we? I mean, think about what good would it have done if you were out, uh, uh, let's see, where's a, let's say you're out at Lake Levant and you're swimming out there and you get, you get too tired to swim any longer and there you are out there 
and it's, you, can't, you can't touch the bottom, and, and, and you're, you're screaming, you're hollering for help, what good would it do to have somebody to come to your rescue that can swim just as good as you can? Is that what you want to come out, to the, out there to help you? Somebody that can swim as good as you? No, no, well, you need, you need somebody that knows what they're doing. Wait, is it going to help you if someone stands on the shore out there and says, Hey, listen, you need, to, you need to come this way. This is where the shore is. I'm drowning, you idiot. I don't need instructions. See, this is what religion does. It constantly teaches people that there's what's wrong with them. It's always telling people, there's something wrong with you, and you've got to fix it. But it doesn't offer a real solution. It just makes you feel guilty. It just makes you feel bad about who you are and what you do, that you'll never measure up, and what's the point of even knowing God? Hmm? That's why we have songs written like, I'm on a highway to hell, and all that kind of stuff, because more than likely they got duped by religion. And if I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to go there with all my might. Because they haven't really had a real revelation of the love and the grace of God, and of a Savior who could come and really save them. Huh? What you need at that moment is a Savior. Huh? You don't need instructions. You don't need somebody like you. You need a Savior. And He's able to present you faultless. Hallelujah. What, what all the saving power of Jesus Christ. Before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Think about it. The Scripture says, in your presence is fullness of Good Lord. In your presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Joy. Joy. Not joy. It's not an answer to a test. It's joy. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And in your presence is fullness of joy. Some of you need some fullness tonight of joy. Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, at the right hand is the Son Himself, seated next to the Father, the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. You know why, why we can be so joyful about that? You know why that's a joyous occasion? Because there's a man seated there in my family. There is a man seated next to God Almighty, and that man is there on behalf of all mankind. And as long as the man, Christ Jesus, is seated there, all men have hope. Whoever will believe on Him, that man, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. I love that. And you know what? He doesn't have any problem being a man. I think he likes being a man. I mean, Saul, there he is. He's on his way to kill some more people for, to, to get rid of the church. And all of a sudden, this light shines down from heaven. It's noon, right? And it's brighter than the noon sun, right? And it knocks him off of his donkey, and he's laying there, and he's, oh, who are you? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say, I'm Jesus of heaven. 
I'm Jesus of the right hand of God. He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Wow. I love that. He's still identifying with this little dusty town called Nazareth. He's raised from the dead. Disciples have been fishing all night long. He comes out there and says, hey, have you got any um, food out there? They said, they didn't know it was the Lord actually at this time. They're so caught up in their work. And they said, no, we've been working all night. We haven't caught anything. Well, cast your net on the other side. So they did, and 153 large fish show up. It says, and when they got the net dragged to the land, Peter actually dragged, drug that net all the way to the, to the shore, and, and the, the other disciples come in, and they see Jesus grilling fish. The resurrected Savior, the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave, he's, you want breakfast, boys? Cooking breakfast. Isn't that glorious? He's so comfortable in his man skin. I love it. Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jesus is the reason for us to rejoice. He's the reason why we can all have joy in the presence of this most holy and awesome God. To God our Savior who alone is wise. Who alone is wise. But let me say what Colossians says to you that now Christ has become wisdom to you. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Next Wednesday, we will be in the book of Revelation. So bring all of your kooky end time friends, and we'll have a good service. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was not very pastoral. Amen. I used to believe. No, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'll I'll save it for next week. Come on, let's just lift our hands and praise the one who paid our debt. Hallelujah. Who raised this life up from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you brought us out of darkness. Thank you that you came to save us when we were drowning in our sin. We were dead. We were helpless to do anything. But you came and brought life to us. You made us alive. Even while we were sinners, you demonstrated your love anyway. And Christ died for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you that you took all the blame for all of our misgivings, all of our wrongdoings, all of our failures and our faults. You took it all on yourself. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our, glo- of our honor. You're worthy of our worship tonight. You're worthy of just a few minutes here of us just blessing you and thanking you. Oh, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for a new life. Thank you for a purpose. Thank you for a future and a hope. Thank you for heaven. Thank you that God is now our Father and heaven is our home. Hallelujah. Thank you that you came to give us life and life to the full. Thank you for the joy of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that in the midst of trouble and trials and, 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 and frustrations and temptations, you bring us peace. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And thank you for wisdom. Beyond our own ability, you have become wisdom for us. 
that we live in this world, Lord, we can, we can have the God kind of knowledge of what to do, what to say, when to say it, when to do it, those right moments, God. Thank you that you help us. You're a very present help. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. And we live in the reality today of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, Father, I thank you that you bless your people in their going out just as they've been blessed in their coming in. I declare that they are the head and they are not the tail. They are above only. They are never beneath. They are first. They are not last. They are victors, never the victim. Thank you, God, that the blessing of Abraham is upon them. Thank you, Father God, that the favor of God surrounds them as with a shield. I declare tonight with them that all of their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of their children. Their homes shall have peace resting there in Jesus' name. Their marriages will be strong. They will be full of love and grace and mercy and kindness in Jesus' name and forgiveness. Thank you, Father God. I thank you, God, that even tonight when they go home and they get ready for bed and they lay down on that pillow, that they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. And I thank you for this people who know their God, who are strong and do exploits in the earth. In Jesus' mighty name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.